Well, shit, if you're doing it, I got to do it. It's Thirsty Thursday. It's like I said. <laughs> now it actually is. Oh, baby. All right. Here is to the third. Okay. No, he's just going for it. <laughs> I thought you already did it. <laughs> no, I didn't do it yet. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Thursday morning podcast. Cheers. We're both drinking bullet. Yeah, baby. Here we go. It's it's a different feeling in the morning. Okay, everybody. It is Thursday. It is Thirsty Thursday, apparently. This is Underdogs. I am David Patrick Fleming, and with me is my friend, my drinking buddy, my co-host, Jacob Eamon. What it do? What it do, baby? Now, Jacob. Yeah. We got to get in to your COVID test yesterday. You got yourself a COVID test. I have not done that. I have been thinking I had COVID for about four months. I have been way too afraid to go down there and get a rod shoved up my nose. Is it as scary as I think it is? It really depends, David. I can't give you an answer one way or the other. And I think everyone that has been giving an answer is wrong. I think that, so I went into it, right? A week ago, I felt the exact same way as you. I'm terrified of it. There was a day where I was thinking I had COVID. I planned to go to the test. I, d I read a CBC article about someone's experience doing it, and I was like, fuck that, no way. I was on the, I was on the Google looking like, where do they do throat swabs? Can you do throat swab Toronto? Throat swab Toronto. <laughs> apparently, it doesn't. It's not, it's not a thing. I think everywhere in Alberta, apparently, it's all throat swabs. I don't know what... Why we can't do that here, I, may, I guess that we're really worried about the, the accuracy. I don't know why, because as far as I know, the nasal pharyngeal swab isn't 100% accurate either. So why not make us feel a little bit more comfortable? In, in any case, so I'm terrified. Then I have a, a couple of friends doing it, and they're like, listen, it's not so bad. It, it's a, you know, some, some described it as a little ticklish. You know, we're like getting a, a bit of water up your nose in the pool. And I'm like, sweet, I don't mind that. It's a little that, uncomfortable. There's no way that's what it is. No, no, it's not. Then, so I'm in the, I'm in the line. Brittany last, or the night before last, she sent, uh, she filled out a little thing on the Women's College website. It allows you to do a pre-screening on the phone so you get a fast track in the lineup. So she got there. There's three people ahead of her in her line. There's probably 70 people in front of my line. So... She gets hers done. She comes out and she's like, it's not so bad. And she is a person who is terrified of, of pain, of procedures, things like that. So I'm like, I got this. I got this. Um, and, and then afterwards, David, I, I have come to the conclusion, and I'll tell you what it was like, but I've come to the conclusion that it really depends on the person doing it for you, the doctor, nurse practitioner, whoever it is that's, that's risking their lives to do it for you. Um, I think that they have different skill levels. They, you know, as, as you assume they might, but also, you know, look at your face and look at my face. It looks different on the outside. It probably looks different on the inside too. We're going to have different cartilage, different tissues, different structures inside of our heads, inside of our faces. And I think it's going to feel different. Mine for me, it was incredibly, I, I, 
uncomfortable, and I would go as far as to say painful. It goes up. It, it it felt like the area where she had the swab was not big enough to house the swab. She starts spinning it, and then she starts a countdown. At the point where she started the countdown, I was like, I'm ready for it to come out. I thought this was already up there. Um, it, 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 it goes up, and it, you can't really get a sense of how far it goes, but you just know immediately... Uh, it's too far like as soon as you go as soon as you go at, at any distance up um but it's when quick I was in- it's quick and you get it done and you can have a little peace of mind you can do a a civic duty <laughs> you know what i what really uh scares me and that you just did not make any better for me at all when i was in theater school and we would do singing uh, classes and I, I'm, a, I'm a horrible singer uh-huh. and every time I sang the, the music teacher was like I think you might have a deviated septum I think you might have a smaller uh, air passageways through your nose and I've had this uh, issue with myself my whole adult life just wondering do I have a deviated septum I remember I went to a nose doctor one time I was like do I have a deviated septum I need to be able to speak better on stage and he was like what do I care and so I get really nervous about the idea of them shoving this up there and then all of a sudden the hole being too small for the swab and they just start ramming it trying to ram this thing through a small hole and i'll be like stop stop i have a deviated septum it's why i can't sing but they'll be like we need to get the test done and they'll just shove it into that hole and i can't get over the in my mind what that sensation would feel like and so i have to be near death for them for me to go and get a COVID test i would rather just quarantine alone in my apartment and just die out here in my bed than go get that thing shoved up my nose i understand that i i really do get that um i do think that i recommend getting it it won't be as bad you know um maybe i'm playing it up for a bit for the podcast maybe it's exactly how i felt (laughs) i'm not sure but it goes up. It's so quick, though, David. That's the, the best thing about it. It's so quick, and you feel like you've accomplished something major afterwards. Mine, I thought my nose was bleeding. It was just a little bit of, of, uh, of uh, what is the nasal stuff? Uh, snot. Mucus? Mucus. It started running immediately. My eyes watered up. I was crying a bit. But it's, 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 just, it's just weird. You know, things shouldn't go up there. But I don't... I, Look, I COVID was not detected in me. I've got my results already. It doesn't mean I don't have it, but it was not detected at 3.18 yesterday. Wow. That's really fast. I didn't realize that they got bang, the Bang, bang, bang. Quick fast. turnaround. Yeah, baby. It's a weird day when you'd rather somebody uh, put something up your nose than shove it down your throat. Like in, in my mind, I was, you would think, oh, I don't want someone to shove something down my throat. But I, I'd much rather them of, shove something down my throat than my nose. Of course. I, I was talking to someone yesterday who was like, I think I'd rather have the n- nasal pharyngeal swab than a throat swab. I was like, are you kidding me? They're like, oh, I don't want to feel the, 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 the gag reflex going. Well, think about it. Like, we put food and stuff down there all the time. There's solids. It's like a normal kind of thing that stuff goes back there. You know? For me, it was when I was a kid and I would watch street performers and they would do the sword swallowing and they would do this sword <laughs> swallowing and everybody would be watching, but I'd be on the side going like, eh, eh, eh. like I could, I have such a gag reflex and I mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to even watch that. And so 
I would probably start gagging once they stuck that down my throat, but I would much rather gag out yeah. than have somebody try to bust a hole through my small, small nose holes. I've got no problem with gagging. Like, gagging's fine. It's used to I it. I wake up gagging. I go to bed gagging. I got no qualms with gagging. How many times have you pulled the trigger, a.k.a. stuck your fingers down your throat because you're too drunk and you try and make yourself puke? I don't think I've ever done that. Me neither. I don't... <laughs> The truth comes out. <laughs> they admit that they've never pulled the trigger. I have. I have. I was lying. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it many times. I used to do it in in uh, in high school. You know, you're not used to that feeling of being too drunk yet. I, I didn't need any help puking in high school. That was like a machine gun going off. That was. <laughs> I, I, I needed what I needed was a plug for my mouth in high school to stop puking. Um, I want to get into some shout outs from last night. My first shout out from last night is fuck yeah, Nate Pearson. What a major league debut. I would start clapping my hands, but I don't want Jacob yelling at me later about popping the mic. Second shout out is Max Scherzer. I love watching that guy pitch. We're not going to see a pitcher like him again for a long time. They don't make pitchers like that anymore. They don't make baseball players like that anymore. And I will always try my best to watch a start of his if I can. Third is a shout out to Derek Fisher. I was hard on him on the podcast yesterday. And he's actually having great plate appearances. That double off Scherzer was really nice. So kudos to you, Derek Fisher. Yep. That's what happens when you hang out with Dante Bichette, hitting whisperer. Keep keep it up. Keep it up, Derek. All right. Let's do a deep dive into this game when that game started and i saw the shadow between the mound and the plate and i considered nate pearson pitching 100 miles an hour i thought he was either going to strike out 15 guys or he was going to kill somebody i couldn't imagine what it would be like to face a guy who throws that hard and for the ball to disappear it's either it's so it, it either it, it disappears out of his hand and then appears right before you have to hit it. That, to me, is a crazy advantage to give a, a, both those two aces. I'm calling it, Nate Pearson an ace. Okay. If if there were any other pitchers, like if it was just a regular game, I'd want to try and skip ahead to the third inning because it's just garbage to watch that if, unless you're really invested in the pitchers and them feeling good. It's weird that that's not considered with those start times more. Like, I don't know why they had to start at that hour specifically. Like, why don't they want to wait for that shadow to go away? The idea is that they're trying to get kids to be able to watch games later. So they're starting, the majority of the MLB is starting games an hour earlier without fans because they don't have to worry about fans, like, getting from work to the stadium anymore. So they're trying to help out the, the, the youngins at home who can stay up an hour later watching the game. You, granted, they're still going to bed before the game ends because baseball's length is interminable. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they're, they're getting to see maybe the seventh, eighth innings now. One of the things that I don't like necessarily is that the pregame segment that they do on Nate Pearson for Sportsnet, for anybody who doesn't watch Jay's games on Sportsnet or didn't even watch the game in general, Sportsnet did this segment on Nate Pearson before the game. It was all about velocity. The whole thing was trying to pump the fans up, like how hard this kid throws. He's like been on the record for saying he's going to throw 106 and it's his dream to throw 110, which would be you know, the fastest pitchers ever thrown. 
And then the game starts and his first pitch is like 95. He's throwing 96 and he did later in the game get up to 99. But without all of that in your head, without all of that hype, you wouldn't even think about that. You'd be like, this guy's incredible. He's got a fucking cannon. But they rile you up like we're supposed to be just waiting for 100 and there's this dissatisfaction when we don't see triple digits. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think if he does throw 110, David, his arm is coming right off with it. Like you're going to see the ball and then trailing right behind it with with quite a nice spin rotation is going to be his entire arm. <laughs> and then he just, with the other hand, just fist pumps like, I did it. I did it, baby. <laughs> 110. I retire. Yeah. It's unfortunate that he couldn't go longer. Yeah. Um, especially we will we will come to that later in the game where we if we just had one more inning of of uh, bullpen management maybe we would have won that game. Um, but he didn't seem disappointed at all to be coming out of that time. You saw that sh- shot of him in the dugout. He's over the moon. He's laughing it up. Pete Walker just told him he's incredible. Um, and and it's hard not to feel like that. He matched Scherzer, you know, pitch for pitch. To that point, the the one pitch that's making all the social media rounds today is that strikeout of Keyboom, Keyboom, uh, the ninety nine at the knees on oh, the yeah. outside corner, uh, absolutely unhittable pitch. It's an incredible, incredible pitch, and there's more in store for him in that regard. I think once he gets a little more comfortable, and it seems like it takes him a little bit to start getting the velocity up, but yeah, my God, which is exactly like I feel like it couldn't be better. Like I don't necessarily need him to be hitting 98 99 in inning one if he just gets stronger faster as the game goes on as the hitters just were getting used to his earlier velocity now he's hitting 99 you know by inning six he starts hitting 100 it's, it reminds me a bit of verlander that was just in that say, way that's exactly like verlander yeah now he let up his first hit in the third inning now be be honest did you no hit watch him at all did you remark to yourself when was the earliest time you remarked to yourself, if you did, that a no-hitter was going on with Nate Pearson? Mm, I actually didn't think of it once, to be honest. I, maybe I just got that out of my head. I kind of, I think I'm not starting to think about a no-hitter until the fourth. There's so many, there's so many games where both sides don't have any hits until, until the fourth. You know, they get through three. After the third, you're kind of like, hmm, maybe. Yeah, but I, uh, I wasn't really thinking about it. I definitely remarked it after the second inning, no hits. And, and you know, granted, very early, but if I'm being honest, it, it got me excited. And I will say in general that last night's game was the first time in this major league season where I got the feeling of that real excitement again. Like, I love baseball, and I was excited to have it back on, but last night... I didn't think about the pandemic. I didn't think about what was going on with the world. I thought about Nate Pearson facing off against Max Scherzer. I didn't even really uh, remark that there's no fans in the in the stands. I was just really excited and really pumped up to watch that game last night. I really, I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm a bit surprised that he's got that pitch count at where it was, given what we know about his work, his work ethic. Um, that he's been there for the whole camp. He had the extra week off. Um, I don't know. I guess it, it is what it is, and he seems to be someone who really is into the analytics, and so I'm guessing he knows that that 75 pitch count is going to help him for his next game, but 
Scherzer was not going to be uh, told he was sitting down for any pitch count. <laughs> you know, he got up to what one ten or something today. Yeah, like one ten, crazy. Like that's what I mean. You're not going to see a pitcher like that again. I love watching him pitch. He is so much fun to watch pitch. Which eye do you think is scarier to look at when you're in the dugout with him and he's like, "I'm going back out again." Do you the look at the, the, lighter the lighter eye, eye or the dark eye? The eye? It's the lighter eye, absolutely. That's like the tiger's eye. It's like looking at you like it, that eye, because it's clear, it sees right through your eyes into your soul. Yes. And if any, if any man can stand up against that and tell him otherwise, my God, you should be in charge of major, major corporations. Yeah. I think he must have two people inside of him. And one, <laughs> one eye signifies one side and the other one sees something else entirely one of them is meant for killing or something. I don't know. It's terrifying. <laughs> what is also terrifying is when you've got a great pitching matchup and it's 0-0 zero, zero, and it's a great game and we're getting excited about the possibilities of where this game could go. Yes. And then the camera shows the back of a jersey that says Yamaguchi. Mm -hmm. That to me was like the moment in Home Alone when Fuller's drinking the Coke at the table and he knows he's going to wet the bed and he smiles at Kevin knowing that he's going to wet the bed. It was like the look for Yamaguchi was like, I know I'm coming in here and I'm going to wet the bed. I'm going to pee all over everything. That was, that was the start for me before Gaviglio that was the downhill slide. What? Do you think they hate him? Yamaguchi? Do you think that Charlie and Pete just want, like, they don't like him as a human, and so they're trying to to show, trying to put him into a situation where he has to be removed from the team? Like, why would they do that to him? Put him in they, the exact same situation. He hasn't pitched since the last time he came up in extra innings uh, and, and got shelled. I don't get it. Why it's not gotta, put, get, get him some confidence in a, in a different situation where we're, maybe we're losing and he can go in and face the bottom of an order when we're already down three and it doesn't matter. I guess it's because it's early in the season you want to build that confidence and you put him in a situation before and he, he pitched terrible. That's the same way I saw the Gaviglio thing where it's like, we're going to give you another shot because of course that was just one time and you pitched well last year and here's your next shot. We don't even think about it. Go out there, pitch. We're not thinking about the fact that you screwed up last time. Hey, Yamaguchi, welcome to the Blue Jays. You know, you had one bad start. We're not thinking about it. Go out there again. Of course, we're putting you in a big situation. We're really happy to have you on this team. But deep down, everyone's like, oh, fuck. But I think you're trying to build that confidence. But it's not in me yet. When I saw that name on the back of the jersey, I was like, well, this game's been fun. At least we got to see Nate Pearson play well and... Good night. I personally don't give a fuck about getting Yamaguchi's confidence back in that situation in that kind of way. I want to win. There's only 60 games to win, and you're telling me we're going to take that chance to get this guy a bit of confidence back? I don't need him to be a high-leverage dude. But I guess it's they don't know. Like They, they have never uh, – it's not like he's been in the league. No one has a really good sense of what he can do, but he comes with this uh, reputation of being able to handle situations like this. And so I guess it's like – well, that last time was a bit of a mistake, but we're going to put you back out there. I agree. Like, I'm just trying to think of it from their perspective because from my perspective, it looks like you just throw in the white towel at that point. You're like, oh, we're just going to work on player development at this point and the game's over. Gaviglio also didn't do a ton to get back the confidence of the manager or the fans. Got, got the couple of outs he needed, but 
I, I was very nervous, and I don't feel any better about him going into the next time. I don't even think... when he pitched last year and he was good, did you have confidence in him when he came on the mound? I don't well, think I've ever had confidence in him even when he's done well. It's a bit different for me when he comes in in the fifth, and it's likely he's coming in because someone, our starter, isn't doing so well and needs to come out early so we can get him for a couple of innings, eat, eat some stuff up. I'm not bringing him in in the ninth or the tenth inning or the high leverage when it's 0-0. Zero, zero. That's, that's never been on the table. Why is that happening? Why is, why is Anthony Bass coming in as our closer when we don't have the lead yet? Why can't we put someone else in at that point? Why is Kay getting ready after Yamaguchi is losing it and Hatch? Why, why can't we go to them in the 10th before we go to Yamaguchi, who, who we've seen good stuff from? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I bet you that this runner on second thing is fucking with everyone's mind and trying to figure out how you manage your bullprint and, and, and trying to take these shots. I mean, it's a really weird thing that this is a Blue Jays home game in Nationals Park and that the Nationals have to pump up the crowd sound for the Blue Jays more so than the Nationals who are playing in their own park. But that runner on second must be fucking with the minds of the managers and how they manage their their pitchers because you must feel like you need to take that shot you know shut down with bass i, I don't know I, I don't know it it was it seemed like they didn't want to have to do that 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 was not the intention to put yamaguchi there in the 10th that it was just sort of their hand was forced they have 15 relievers david <laughs> 15 how can you manage it in such a way where you're in what what game was it it's it was the sixth game of the season and and you're in and <laughs> you're in a situation where you're put into uh something that you feel forced in with the pitchers in your bullpen yeah but let's think about like a couple of weeks ago a month ago even we would have both thought that yamaguchi was uh fighting for a starting role it, he could have been the fifth starter on this team and so if we thought that, that was a message that was being portrayed to us, like this guy might have the capability of being a major league starter. So then if the organization thought at one point that this guy might have the stuff to be a major league starter, but he's just struggling with the grip on the ball because it's a different ball and all of a sudden he doesn't know how to throw, they must just think, oh, maybe he just needs some time in the big leagues. Maybe he'll figure this out. We'll put him in a big spot. He'll, he'll be able to come through and get his confidence up. I, I don't know. But that argument still doesn't make sense, David, because... They, they were thinking about him as the fifth starter when actually the guy who came up after him won the job as the fifth starter, K. And yeah. Tony K, he was the guy that we thought was good enough to actually be the fifth starter and not the guy who failed at getting that job. So uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate what you're saying, but uh, it, I'm just... It's it's it, it was tough. I and I, I, I realize I'm a bit worked up last, right now and I was worked up last night. I was also pretty upset about uh, not sending Fisher to see, steal second in in the bottom of the 10th and instead we ground into the double play what do we what do we have to lose if Fisher gets if Fisher gets out at second trying to steal Tony Alfred's already halfway to home we get that run I, I, I just don't get it I don't and and you hear Dan Schulman saying the same thing he's like well I assume that we will see Fisher uh, go here. I'm uh, guessing there will, won't even be a throw, and it didn't happen. Grounded double play, game over. Uh, really, really upsetting. 
It, it was definitely such an unsatisfying way for that game to end because it started with so much excitement. And this early on in this Blue Jays season, I mean, these Blue Jays could be five and one. Yes, they could be six and zero. Oh. Sure, they, they they could be six and zero, oh, but definitely they could be five and one. And they're three and three, and it's just unsatisfying that it's it's a bullpen thing, you know, because it's we're getting great starts from starting pitching. Great starts. Um, you know, for the most part, the offense has been productive and nobody expects them to go out and take Scherzer to town. Nope. Um, nobody's did. surprised like when they don't score any runs off Max Scherzer. Yep. But they're still there at the end of the game. That's the thing because of their pitching. It was 0-0. And then all of a sudden in the blink of the eye, four runs. And it's just yeah, garbage the way that it happened. Because if you're going to go out, you know, if Jordan Romano let up a bunch of runs or something like that, you would take that. Yeah. Yeah, you would. It was also tough that there was uh, a replay review. I'm guessing that, that Biggio didn't make that tag on the base before the runner at second, but so frustrating that the cameras were nowhere near being able to give us a, like, a clear view. I'm so not used to that. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, if there's less cameramen, if they don't have a zoom in on second base and first base for every every time that there could be someone running at second base they've just got someone ready for those camera angles but the the one at first legging out that I, I, the nationals who was it drury that that outlegged the nationals uh, throw at first when they challenged it you have no idea that they've got like a 30 meet they're 30 meters away from first in the in the play in the replay they keep showing you same thing with with uh, the play at second with biggio uh, it was bizarre to me that that was the best that they had to show in replays because i what i heard was that the technology was going to be much better you would think that it would be you'd think they'd be able to have way more different camera angles than they would have before yeah like a spring training game in that way yes um so you know that likely we didn't get that out but if we did it would have been one zero and and we have a real chance of coming back in the, in the bottom of the ninth instead of being down four zip. Shout out to Rowdy Telez for the first Blue Jays ejection of the season. Him and uh, Dante go down. Yeah, I'm guessing that the hitting whisperer was doing a little hitting yelling on that one <laughs> to get him ejected. <laughs> what was Joe West doing coming up to Charlie Montoyo to talk about the ejections? He pulled his mask off of his face and he's talking to him from close proximity. Like, I, how is that allowed? How is that okay? I don't know, but the, the game clock kept running, and it took him about four minutes to waddle over towards oh, Charlie man. there. Like, it was I, like March of the Penguin going over to Charlie Montoyo. It was just like, man, how much time do you think we have? Kids have to go to bed. They got to cut away from that. We can't know how horrible of shape this guy is. In. There are fast baseballs coming at this man. He needs to be able to dodge. Like the, the umpires have to be sort of athletic. They can't be dudes that can't walk without a walker. This guy can't walk. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i know that i know that we try not to get mad about people's anyway. i don't know if we try not to get mad i think you know we let the feelings out that's all you're doing you're making a an observation that this man can't walk based on the video footage <laughs> that shows him with a, a severe inability to walk i would put what he's doing in the waddle category um, it sort of comes across the way that somebody would walk with their pants around their ankles 
to go to the washroom in the middle of the night. That's kind of the speed and the length of strides that he's taking. Yeah. Which is a normal thing to do, to walk in the washroom at the middle of the night with your pants around your ankles. Anybody who thinks it isn't, well, you're wrong. I agree. Um, I wonder if Dante got thrown out a lot as a player. Uh, well, you definitely think that he has a relationship with Joe West. Like, absolutely he does. Yeah. But maybe... I was thinking this, maybe he was actually yelling at Rowdy for even arguing that that was a strike, calling Rowdy names, getting in Rowdy's face, and the umpires misheard that, and like, you're out of here. I don't think so. I think as a player, you know that your emotions get fired up on certain calls, and it was at least a borderline enough call that I don't think Dante's going to start like shaming Rowdy in front of the whole team for questioning a strike call. Those masks, though, they probably let you get away with a lot. I'm sure they didn't know who yelled what, what was said. Everyone's wearing a mask. You can't tell when their mouths are moving. Yeah. I'm, we got to look out for a John Boy breakdown of that today because there was, a, there was like an eight-second shot. I don't know if you remember that, where you can hear the umpire like on an extended yelling streak i couldn't hear because dan shulman keep talking over it i'm like shut up guys let me hear what the umpire is yelling at our bench then it just cuts to charlie with his mask down just like looking stone-faced like having no emotion not looking around just looking right at it I'm like what what is happening right now i don't understand please let me hear yeah maybe john boy will figure that out um let's move on let's talk about this joe kelly suspension Okay. Joe Kelly gets eight games for not hitting any Astros players, but attempting to hit Astros players. Allegedly um, attempting. There's no evidence. Alleg sure, sure. Allegedly. Well, there's evidence of the ball flying over their head. Mm -hmm. So some would argue that that's evidence, but I hear you. Eight games. So that's a 60-game season. He got eight games. So if you took a 162-game season, that would be a 23 game suspension for not even making contact with a player. The MLB is obviously trying to make a statement with this. Nobody throw at the Astros. Let's just get through this season. But from my perspective, that is a garbage suspension based on the fact that none of these Astro players who have clearly cheated got any suspension whatsoever. Joe Kelly didn't even get ejected. Yeah. It's absolute trash can garbage yeah there's not too much more to say about that you've you've really laid out all of the points they're fine finally made and uh it's it's really frustrating zero zero games for astros cheating to win a world series and cheating in other years and joe kelly's gone for eight games it's it's a it's a damn shame it, it, it's terrible and for anybody who says oh well, joe Kelly wasn't even on the, the Dodgers when that happened. Well, he was on the Red Sox, mm -hmm. who the uh, Astros also beat. So I, I imagine he has a point of view there. I imagine that there's some emotions there. He was on the 2017 Red Sox. What also should be noted is that I don't think you need to be on the Dodgers to be pissed about this. I, don't, I think you can be any person who plays the game with some integrity that is pissed off that some dudes cheated, won the World Series, you know, they're, regardless of, of whether or not you're on the team that lost the World Series to them, it's still an insult to the game. And these, these dudes can, can give retribution if they, if they, if they want. And I, I don't think it's going to be over. I don't think, I don't think eight games is going gonna, is gonna to scare some people off. I think, I think you just got to find the right dude. Um, and, it, and it'll be interesting to see if, 
if it, if it does happen again and if it's a I don't know. It's it's, a, it's an interesting precedent to set because what if what if uh, a starting pitcher does hit one of the Astros now and it is an accident? We have no way of knowing, and you know it's Walker Bueller or something, and uh, there's an eight game suspension and we miss a time through the rotation for him. That's a devastating loss. Yeah, and it it just the to have to consider that when you're going to play the team is just such trash. Yep. It's so many games. It's just a ridiculous amount of games. I get that they're trying to make a statement, but what are you you can't just all of a sudden say, "Oh, now we're really going to start punishing players." You had your chance to punish players, and probably if you did punish players, they wouldn't be throwing at them. Mhm. Because probably those players wouldn't be on the field because they're suspended, and then all the other players in the league would feel justified to some degree. They would feel um, redeemed. Yeah. To some degree. But maybe, now... Maybe we could have started with eight games for all of the <laughs> roster. <laughs> hey, that's an interesting amount of games. So that's, that's good. Yeah. But I just want to say one thing. It's not related to Joe Kelly. It's not related to the Blue Jays. It is another thing about Starlin Castro. I know maybe you're thinking, what is Jacob's deal with Starlin Castro? But I've just, I can't help but watch him intently. There's something about him I don't like. I don't know what it is. Um, but now I feel a little bit bad for him. I noticed last night when he was up to bat, he has a, a massive chain that he wears. It's encrusted with many, many diamonds, and it's of his number. Well, not actually. It's it's of the number 13, but now that he's on the Nationals, he has to wear the number 14 on his jersey, so he's got this gold chain with diamonds all over it. It says 13 hanging out, and right below it on his on his peck is the number 14. I just was like, oh, man, that is that is so embarrassing. You know, he, he must have gotten there and like, look, I got this chain. I got a lot of diamonds on it, man. It says number 13. I got to have my number 13. And they're like, well, sorry, man. Uh, we won the... We won the the national championship last season, and uh, as Trubal Carrera here, uh, Cabrera, he wears number thirteen. So you don't get to have that. And he's like, oh man, let me take my helmet off and have a conversation. You, you know what you could do, Castro? You could give your chain to Estrubal Cabrera. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a nice gesture as you enter this team. Yeah. Um, I wanted to end on this. Now, with Nate Pearson making his start last night, it started to dawn on me that he may be the most valuable piece on this team. But I wanted to play a game a la Fuck, Mary Kill that we will call What's that? What's that game? Fuck, Mary Kill is when I will give you three players or three people and you would choose to fuck one of them, marry one of them, or kill one of them. Okay. But this game is called Keep, Extend, Release. Right. You get to keep one player. You get to extend one player to a lucrative long-term deal, and you get to outright release one player. I have a feeling Players, I know who you're going to You know right where I'm going. I'm going straight down the gut. Bichette, Guerrero, Pearson. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. And it's release? I can't even trade? I can't get anything for him. I have to just say, this guy's worse than... You just, you just tell him that uh, his time is done, and then we play the Littlest Hobo theme song, and they leave the clubhouse. And they head on down to Miami to die. 
Um, okay. I, I, I mean, I want to try and go in a different direction here, but I don't know how. Maybe the best that I the best that I can do is I want to extend Bichette. I want to release Pearson, and I want to keep Vladdy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had this. I, I had this idea that I wanted to see if I could work work you up, come in here, and be like. All right, I'm going to give you the take. No one's saying, but everyone's thinking. Pearson's overrated. He had really not that great of a start last night. I don't think he's all he's cracked up. No, he was amazing. Um, I think I think at this point I have to keep Pearson, extend Bichette, and, and release Vlad. Um, I can I can definitely see the the argument to extend Pearson, but I've got a bit more intel on on Bo right now, and. Uh, I'm I'm a bit worried that Pearson does want to throw 110 miles per hour about his arm durability over a long career. So I think I might get more long-term value over Bo. So I'll I'll extend him now. Bold. That's where I thought you were going to go. I mean, I wasn't sure if you would extend Pearson, but I I, I did feel like the releasing Vlad is is that I can't say it. I I can't even I can't even say that. I'm not. It's haunting. Vlad. You're not releasing him. You're releasing Bo. What, do I have to answer this now? Yeah, this yeah, you, you do. <laughs> no, I want to hear your answer. Oh, God. Oh, God, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't say it. I cannot say it. I can't do it. Just, I, I, I plead the fifth. I cannot, I cannot say it. You have to. <laughs> you have to say it out loud, David. It's, 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 it's necessary. You'll feel better afterwards. I... Oh, God, I really can't. I don't want to say it. I don't want it to be on the record. I don't want it to be in recording because this whole thing could flop. That's one start from Pearson. And like you said, uh, he could throw his next pitch and we could find a ligament 10 feet in front of him and his career's over. Okay, so release him then if that's how you feel. Make make the choice. I can't. I can't. I'm going to offer a contract extension to Nate Pearson. I'm going to keep Bo and I'm going to release Flatty. That's the show, everybody. That's it. I don't want to say anything else. Uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. Take some shots of bourbon. Enjoy the game tonight. Ryu on the mound again. Final game in Washington. Have a good day. Au revoir.